0: And welcome to McGuire Woods Edible Bites, where we bring you bite-sized updates on all things happening in the life sciences space, including cannabis, hemp, CBD, and other emerging markets. Our updates are quick and packed with key industry developments that you can watch during your morning coffee, while having lunch, or on a brain break. We're excited to discuss today's food for thought. Let's get noodling! Please remember that Edible Bites podcast is for informational food for thought purposes only. These updates should not be construed as legal advice in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Please be sure to consult with an attorney before being fearless with any legal decisions. In addition, we note marijuana and other controlled substances are classified as Schedule 1 by the. US Drug Enforcement Agency. Any content contained or discussed herein is not intended to provide legal advice to assist with the violation of any state or federal law. Hi, and welcome to another version of McGuire Woods Edible Bites. I'm Kate Hardy, and I'm a partner in the Charlotte office at McGuire Woods, and I'm here with my host, Royce Dubinay, who's in our Chicago office. And today, we're lucky enough to be joined by one of my other colleagues, John Thomas, who's in our Tyson's Corner office, and John is in our Labor and Employment Division of McGuire Woods and today the topic we're going to be talking about is weed at work and no this doesn't mean taking your weed to work or what you're going to be doing with your weed at work. We are going to be talking about employment law trends and how different state laws for medical cannabis or recreational cannabis might be impacting your employees and how employers should be thinking about some of those laws on a go-forward basis. So before we start, I just would like to introduce my colleague, John. And John, if you could tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your practice, and then we'll get going.
1: Hi, Kate, thanks for having me. I'm excited to participate in this episode of Edible Bites. Um, Like you mentioned, I'm in the Labor and Employment Department uh, based out of Tyson's, Virginia. Uh, I represent employers on all kinds of employment law issues, Uh, both on the counseling side of things, helping employers navigate the sticky issues around uh, statutory and and regulatory um, uh, guidance that employers face on a daily basis. And also I litigate on behalf of of companies who are facing either claims uh, by employees or claims against employees or sometimes uh, claims between two companies that have an element that involves some aspect of that employer-employee relationship.
0: Great, thank you. And, you know, we talk a lot about uh, cannabis and cannabis laws on this video cast, but probably a lot of people don't realize how many issues really are coming up in the labor and employment space. And we're gonna get into some of those today. So, John, I'm going to turn it over to you, and I'm going to let you go through uh, the key topics we're going to be talking about today, and I'll pepper you with all kinds of questions to talk through some of these issues.
1: Yeah, thanks. So um, I think there are are two or three major topics that we're going to be talking about today, Um, and this is just how these issues typically fall into categories as, as employers typically encounter them. The first pertains to drug tests. Uh, We're gonna talk about um, a a number of issues that are coming up, particularly in recent years. Um, Frequent viewers of Edible Bites uh, know that cannabis in particular is becoming more prevalent both in the medicinal space and in the adult use recreational space. Um, this, uh, This trend is also associated with what employers either can or cannot do and the associated question of what they should or should not do when it comes to testing employees for for the presence of drugs in their system. Um, The other thing, the other major category we're going to talk about really two associated topics are uh, what protections employees have uh, for off-duty use of cannabis in various states And there are a couple of flavors of this question. One of the more uh, important and and robust questions that employers are encountering pertain to uh, um, accommodating employees who um, require the use of medicinal marijuana in order to uh, assist with a disability they may have. So uh, this this is a question employers have been encountering for a number of years. There's a fair amount of case law Uh, and regulatory guidance on this uh, issue, but um, as the state patchwork of laws have developed, it's still a confusing issue and uh, employers are frequently uh, having difficulty with uh, trying to figure out uh, how to accommodate uh, and meet their obligations under state law uh, while still maintaining uh, employment policies that may otherwise prohibit the use of cannabis.
0: Got it. And I will note our kind of disclaimer here, but I think we'll talk about this more too. Cannabis, as we all know, is still a Schedule One controlled drug. So it's technically federally illegal. And you and I have talked about, I mean, maybe some employers perhaps incorrectly think, well, if it's still illegal at the federal level, I don't really have to worry about anything else. And we'll talk a little bit more about why they should not have maybe such a um, broad thinking about that as we move forward.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, It seems like federal courts, when they apply federal law, are still willing to recognize that cannabis is a Schedule 1 drug uh, under federal law. And um, so you don't see too many uh, employee-friendly decisions come out uh, of, of the federal courts applying federal law. A lot of where this the, these developments are coming are um, in state courts, applying state law, as one might expect.
0: Got it. All right. Well, let's dig in. Let's talk about our first area. What are some of the trends that we're seeing in employment drug testing related to cannabis?
1: Yeah, so there are a number of different um, trends that I wanted to talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about some some legislative trends to either limit or uh, in some way, uh, some other way, restrict testing for marijuana in employees. Um, we're gonna talk about some procedural protections that employees may have in different jurisdictions, um, either because they test positive for marijuana or um, some other procedural um, right that employees have when it comes to drug testing. Uh, we're going to talk about the problems that regulators, employers, and legislators are encountering when they're when they're thinking about uh, testing for cannabis, um, and we'll talk about the some workarounds that have been suggested um, re- regarding that. And then we we'll, finally we'll we'll mention some um, uh, another development that occurred a couple of years ago with respect to how OSHA treats uh, post-accident testing so we can dive right in if you'd like. Um, With respect to uh, the the trends that we are seeing with around the laws pertaining to drug testing, um, this is a really jurisdictional by jurisdictional issue so it really depends on what what geography your employees are in. Um, That makes it difficult of course for employers who operate in multiple jurisdictions uh, but that's okay. Um, the trends that we're seeing are around um, predominantly prohibiting either pre-employment testing for marijuana or requiring um, a test to be based on reasonable suspicion of impairment. We'll talk more about what impairment means or what it doesn't mean in a minute. But for example, you know, we've seen we've seen states such as Nevada. Basically prohibit uh, pre-employment uh, testing for cannabis. Uh, New York City is a is another jurisdiction, and we'll spend a little more time later today talking about Maine, which is sort of an, a a different animal, but it essentially has also um, prohibited employers from testing applicants um, or or even employees, you know, as they're as they're onboarding. Uh, basically prohibits them from testing for cannabis. Um, now, whether this trend will take root in other jurisdictions or not has yet to be seen. Uh, there have been other jurisdictions that have tried to pass these measures and they've uh, either they've, they've died in committee or they've otherwise not, not passed the state legislatures. Um, I think that it's reasonable to predict based on the, trage- the trajectory of other uh, employment laws associated with cannabis and, and frankly cannabis state laws um, I think we're going to see more protections for employees, um, and maybe that will take the the, the shape of prohibiting, uh, or at least curtailing, pre-employment testing. So one of the other trends that we're really seeing are these procedural protections that the laws are putting in place for employees, and these fall into a number of categories. Again, they're all state law dependent or local law dependent, um, but you know some of the some of the things we're seeing are. The legislature's um, requiring in New Jersey, for example, when uh, an employee tests positive for cannabis, the employee is entitled to receive uh, written notice about that positive test. And then the employee has a right to uh, basically provide a, a, a medical reason for why they tested positive, or there are procedures by which the employee has the right, right. to be retested. We're seeing some, uh, some developments in that space and um, you know other places, you know, DC comes to mind where um, basically the, the law prohibits testing for uh, cannabis before a conditional offer of employment has been extended to the employee. In other words, you can't just test every applicant for cannabis, you have to make an offer of employment conditioned on them successfully passing a cannabis test before they are, you know, before they can uh, be onboarded. So those are some of the procedural protections we're seeing. I think we'll see more of these um, as legislatures try and uh, find that middle ground between protecting employees' rights and, frankly, improving unemployment numbers with also recognizing that employers historically have had a pretty broad uh, right to exclude people who use cannabis from the workplace
0: yeah and that brings up a just an interesting point too i mean because to me it just makes me think sure when you get a job i mean i feel like it was you, know, you can get your job and you have to be drug tested before you can start but now that's not exactly maybe the way it's going to go depending on the state that you're in so there's different layers that are starting to show up that employers need to be aware of, not just follow the, hey, before you come here, you got to go get your drug test here. It's not that easy anymore.
1: Yeah, that's exactly
0: right.
2: So, so John, if I'm an employer, oh, go ahead, Kate. Did no, you, go ahead, Bryce. Oh, we'll edit this all out, by the way. So John, if I'm an <laughs> employer and I have a, a pretty large multi-state operation, I've got a dusty old marijuana or drug testing policy, I probably need to sit down and start thinking about, you know, which employees are regulated by DOT, where are my office locations, where am I operating?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that the the question should even go beyond just the DOT employees. Um, after taking into account state and local laws, um, companies, the trend that we see are companies are are starting to take a a view of of testing for cannabis. And I guess I should preface this by saying that a lot of what we're talking about applies to drug tests of all kinds. Obviously Mm -hmm. the purpose of of this um, webinar pertains to cannabis. So I'll be focusing on cannabis, but some of what we're talking about applies to other drugs as well. Um, Employers are starting to think a little more critically about number one, why do we want to know whether our employees may have cannabis in their system. And number two, what, you know, what kind of dangers are we trying to protect against? Typically, it's, it's, you know, that, that's the rationale we hear for testing. Um, so employers whose drug test policies are more than a couple of years old, like you said, Royce, uh, now is a great time for them to take a look and, and, and see how the laws have changed. The laws have changed rapidly just in the last three or four years Um, So I would say, you know, employers need to keep their thumb on the, or their their ear to the ground, I guess, and um, maintain that, you know, keep, keep that more up to date moving forward. But now's a good time to dust that off and just, you know, take a look and, uh, and see if it's currently um, uh, compliant with state and local law. Obviously, that's a service that McGuire Woods offers. um, And there are other resources available uh, as well, depending on the jurisdiction you're in.
0: Yeah, I was I was just going to add before we move to our next topic. I mean, I feel like, you know, you've seen as well when you're dealing with some of these issues on the labor and employment side, the laws are changing so incredibly rapidly. Um, it only takes a few months before sometimes things are are out of date and it's changed. So it's it's a very dynamic process trying to stay on top of things. and. You know, I would say even if you've updated your policy, the minute an issue comes up, probably better to make a phone call or just double check that nothing else has even changed since that time.
1: That is exactly right. And we're going to spend a little more time talking about that issue uh, when we're talking about accommodating people um, who either are required to or requesting to use cannabis or who they come back from their drug test and it's positive. And, uh, you know, whether they've got you know, whether you have an obligation to accommodate that use or not is something we'll talk about in a a minute as well. Obviously seeking the advice of counsel in all of those situations is advisable for sure.
0: So let's move now, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, we've talked about how these issues can come up either pre-employment or um, on the job. Let's talk a little bit about um, impairment testing. It's it's a little bit different in the cannabis space. Can you can you give us some some background on what's happening there?
1: So one of the things that is sort of coming on the market are there are a number of vendors who have developed uh, uh, apps either for a phone or for a tablet that might attach to a wall that can try to test for impairment and um, employers can uh, can go online and, and find these vendors pretty readily. Um, But most of the vendors tend to offer a product whereby employees will uh, solve a simple puzzle um, or do a couple of different visual tests. Um, You know, it might take them between 20 seconds to a minute to do. And basically what these, these tests are designed to do are, are evaluate the employee against Uh, their baseline in terms of focus, um, attention, um, distraction, et cetera. The idea being that if we can determine that a particular employee is less focused than they normally are, then perhaps they're impaired in some, some manner. That may or may not be related to their use of cannabis or another drug or alcohol, it might, uh, but it could be for any other reason. Maybe they're, they're distracted, maybe they're emotionally drained, maybe they haven't slept enough, these kinds of things. Um, and so the the idea is that if we can use technology to, to identify employees that are um, operating at less than their best, then uh, maybe that's actually more valuable to us than you know, doing a random testing for cannabis, which um, doesn't really tell us much. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about you know, the fact that cannabis tests don't really tell us anything about whether an employee is currently impaired. And I wanted to mention that even you know, some state laws are acknowledging that. Um, and some states are also requiring uh, employees or employers to uh, reserve taking adverse actions against employees only once they have a good faith belief that the employee is actually impaired. Now, impaired um, is not often well-defined under the law, unlike, for example, you know, uh, taking a breathalyzer test for alcohol consumption is a pretty well understood concept. The same sort of uh, guidelines don't exist for cannabis, um, but we're seeing some trends in that regard as well. And because some states are requiring you to demonstrate uh, reasonable suspicion or in some states, it's called a good faith belief that somebody's actually impaired. It's possible that some of these uh, tech applications could have um, you know, some uh, some application in situations like that, where an employer is really trying to determine if somebody's actually impaired.
0: Got it. And if if people are interested, I think if you just do a general search for uh, cannabis impairment tests, you can probably find. A couple that come up but if this isn't the best example but if you're if the way i think about it is like you can go in and you get candy crush put in front of you and if you're not doing good then that maybe says something about um you know what your level is on that particular day again not the best example but it's an application kind of like that right i think that where these work where you're sort of doing a game or putting together like you said a puzzle um to try to give viewers, just a little bit of an idea of how to think about these things.
1: Uh, that's right. And of course it doesn't eliminate legal risk because there, you employers also need to realize that employees who may have, um, attention deficit disorders or some other, uh, disability that may affect their ability to perform the test. Um, they might need to be accommodated in a different way. So, um, employers should, uh, you know, certainly think about these these tests, but not look at them as a, a panacea to all their legal problems.
0: Yeah. That's a great point. True. Lots to think about.
1: Here's a video of uh, one of the examples uh, of a vendor who offers one of these products and you can see it in action.
0: So it's pretty simple.
1: Yeah, It's just a little puzzle. It takes a, about a minute to do and then you're finished.
0: All right. That's, that's pretty interesting. I, I didn't know those types of things were out there.
1: Uh, so moving on, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, um, but I think it's, you know, for those who are interested in drug testing laws and, and developing drug test policies, it's worth mentioning that federal OSHA um, has taken the position that any policy that might chill an employee from reporting an accident uh, could violate OSHA. And they've targeted drug tests as a possible way that that could occur. In particular, um, a drug test policy that, that, that has a blanket post-accident testing requirement, the OSHA has taken the position, the position that that could chill employees from reporting accidents because once again, nobody likes getting drug tested. The example that OSHA uses is, uh, let's say an employee suffers, you know, gets a bee sting, has, a, has an allergic reaction and goes to the hospital. It's unlikely that any drug test is going to help find the root cause of why that employee got stung by a bee or went to the hospital. <laughs> uh, however, if, you, if your employer has a, has a policy that says, well, if you went to the hospital, you have to get drug tested that sort of policy might have the effect of chilling employees from actually reporting that that employee got stung by the bee, right? Or went to the hospital. Um, Now that's not to say OSHA uh, is not okay with any kind of post-accident testing. Instead, they, they came out and they clarified a couple of years ago that really employers should take a look at their drug test policies And make sure that post-accident testing is related to finding out what the root cause of the accident was. If it's not going to do that, then it's not serving its purpose. Also, you need to make sure that you're not discriminating when you are doing these tests. Um, From OSHA's perspective, that means making sure that you're not only testing the people who report the accident, you're actually testing anybody who may have contributed to the accident. As long as you're following those two major points, then you should be fine uh, when it comes to satisfying OSHA's regulations. Uh, But that's worth taking a look at when you're evaluating your drug policy.
0: Makes sense. So let's move on now um, to our last topic, which is um, protections for off-duty use. So this again would be medical, or in some of the states, which more of them are coming on all the time, uh, recreational, and we talked about this, like same thing as maybe going home and having a couple beers. beers. Um, how, how is this looking for employers um, in states where either employees might be using medical or adult use cannabis?
1: Yeah, so I think that um, off-duty use of recreational marijuana is really ripe for development in the law. We're gonna make special mention of Maine here in a minute, but um, I wanted to mention that I'm not aware of any jurisdiction that requires employers to allow employees to possess marijuana on employer premises Mm. or, or use it, physically use it, while on the clock or on employer premises. Whether that could change in an individual uh, circumstance uh, in, in the accommodation context that we'll talk about in a minute, yep. that, that would be a fact-intensive type of question. But in terms of uh, jurisdictions setting laws, I'm not aware of any place that, that requires that. So um, employers are okay with having policies that broadly prohibit possession, sale, use, growing it, uh, all of those fun things at work itself. Uh, Maine is an interesting uh, jurisdiction because they have a statute on the books that uh, protects employees from adverse actions from using recreational marijuana off-duty. We underline the word recreational, obviously, to distinguish from medicinal marijuana. Um, But this has some interesting implications. This basically means, uh, you know, we mentioned at the outset of this episode that in Maine, pre-employment testing is um, not permitted. And it largely derives from this law. Yep. Um, but to your point, Kate, um, I think the, what the legislature and, and the popular, the population of Maine realized was there's very little difference from an impairment standpoint between um, uh, drinking at home and using marijuana at home. And so the, the the main legislature seems to take the position that um, if there's very little difference from an impairment perspective, why are we legislating against them in a different way? And so uh, Maine is is the one major jurisdiction that, that protects employees uh, from from that. And Maine has has a number of other protections pertaining to cannabis testing and taking adverse action against employees um, who use cannabis, um, but they deserve special mention. Is this going to become a trend? I think that's the question we want to know. Are there other states that are going to follow suit? Um, Other jurisdictions have uh, introduced legislation like this. I haven't seen any jurisdictions that have been successful. Um, But I think that, you know, like I said, I think that this is one of those areas that we're going to continue to see a push as uh, cannabis use becomes more Uh, acceptable under state laws. It's going to be natural to protect employees who are using it, but are not impaired at work.
0: Right. So I was going to ask you a question about that. So if I use alcohol at home, I still, if I come into work and I'm freaking of alcohol and I'm maybe still drunk, that I'm not, I don't think going to be protected. with the same be true if somebody's using marijuana off duty, like if you come in and you're smelling like a smoke shop or um, you know, to your point, perhaps maybe you are impaired, yeah. you're not gonna be protected from those types of things. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that, that's, gener- that's generally correct. Um, the states that do uh, restrict employers from taking adverse action against employees who use marijuana, uh, as far as I'm aware, they all allow, or I guess I should say, the laws all permit employers to disallow employees from being impaired on the job. Obviously, that makes sense. To your point, it's, it's very similar to alcohol. The question is...
2: Oh, I was going to say, um, and John, to your earlier point, you mentioned that there's no law out there right now that says that employees are allowed to bring their cannabis onto company property. I think that that will have impact or is important for employers to remember that, you know, even if there is a employee who may have a valid medical marijuana card or have a valid reason for using marijuana, if I'm understanding correctly, there's no law that would say that that employee can bring it onto company property the same way they would bring, you know, their Vyvanse or their Adderall onto company property.
1: Well, actually, that, that's what I w- was mentioning with respect to um, it, there could be a, a situation in an individual instance where you might need mm-hmm. to accommodate an employee. Uh, okay. In, in other words, the laws the laws generally say, yeah, employers aren't required to allow employees to bring cannabis onto the company property, um, I don't want to categorically say that that is always the case because I could see a situation where, um, you know, an, an employee is required to be accommodated um, in such a manner, and perhaps there's something about the work environment where, um, you know, they're, you know, let, let's let's say they're prescribed cannabis for anxiety attacks. Um, and maybe there's something about the environment of the work where, um, you know, it might take them an hour to leave some, you know, in some work environment before they could leave the company property, obtain their, uh, their medicine and use it. I could see a situation where potentially an employer, uh, and an employee might determine that a reasonable accommodation would exist where, uh, you know, they might wanna make an exception. However, employers of course, are also mindful of the fact that cannabis is a schedule one drug under federal law, possession of marijuana (laughs) is illegal under federal law. Um, And so while I think that those would be um, uh, unusual circumstances, um, I think it's worth employers just thinking about that next step rather than going to the blanket policy.
0: That's interesting and a a good segue into just talking a little bit more about accommodations and what, what may or may not be required in a state.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. Most employers are familiar with the Americans with Disabilities Act. This is the federal law that requires employers to accommodate employees who may suffer from a disability in order to allow them to do their job. The questions started coming up about what happens when an employee suffers from a disability and using cannabis would alleviate that. Um, there have been a number of cases in various jurisdictions and the legislatures have started to go ahead and include the answers to these questions when they actually pass the laws, which is generally helpful for employers. Uh, but it's uh, every state is different. Um, I didn't go through and 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 count which states require accommodating for cannabis and which ones do not, but let's—it suffices to say that there are a bunch of states on both sides of that spectrum. Um, and this means that in you know an employer might have a duty to accommodate one employee's use of medicinal marijuana because they live in one state, and their colleague living in a different state, um, a few miles away. The, the same employer may have no duty, duty to accommodate that. And so again, this goes, goes back to our earlier conversation about um, understanding where your employees are working, which state and local laws apply. And frankly, the best advice that anybody can, can have in this situation is when a question comes up, don't just default to looking at your policy that may be two or three years old, go ahead and pick up the phone, call your favorite labor and employment lawyer, it's a fact-intensive question. Um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be worth spending a few minutes talking to a lawyer about that to get some uh, personalized advice because every state is different.
0: Right. And we'll have to we'll have to watch how the law, I'm sure, you know, as we move along, there'll be more case law that develops um, as employers may or may not call somebody before they make a decision about how to handle this. And i it's tough, I think, for employers who are in several different states. Uh, really have to make your HR managers aware that they need to stop and hopefully ask for some advice before moving too quickly with a situation like this.
1: Yep, that's exactly right.
0: Okay, great. Well, we have talked about a lot of different topics today that are important considerations for employers uh, in in any state where you may have either medical cannabis programs or adult use cannabis or both. We've covered trends in employment drug testing, what to be thinking about, how to think about that testing. We've talked about trends in protecting employees who may be using cannabis when they're not working We've talked about different ways you can test folks for potential impairment that are outside of, you know, the normal types of drug testing that we would do. And we've also talked a little bit about employee rights and considerations under the ADA. It's a lot of different things to think about. So let's let's move to food for thought. John, walk us through the key takeaways for some of the things that we've talked about today. Yeah.
1: So I think that any employer who really wants some key takeaways from today's presentation, um, you know, on a, on a high level, the first thing is that employers should take the time now to revisit their current drug testing policy. If they have one, realize that this is a very state law dependent issue. And so there's no such thing as a one size fits all drug testing policy, um, a policy that an employer uh, borrowed from, uh, from another employer or found online or something like that may not satisfy the laws in the states where that employer operates. Um, and don't rely on something that that's very old. Um, this is a topic that is quickly changing and employers should be reviewing these um, routinely to make sure that they are staying compliant with the laws as, as quickly as the laws are changing. Um, that's, you know, from a policy standpoint, I think that's uh, probably the, the best takeaway. Um, the, the other thing that employers need to think about is what happens when an actual situation arises, either I think an employee is impaired, or I think an employee has failed a drug test, or an employee comes to me and requests an accommodation to use cannabis uh, or, or something along those lines. And the, the, the best advice is uh, seek legal advice in all of those circumstances, um, not just because these are very fact dependent situations that, that really are going to require a, a fair amount of analysis to get you to the right answer, but also, again, because these laws are changing so quickly, um, you know, talking to a to a good lawyer who is up to speed on these various developments will be able to, um, you know, keep those new laws in mind as well. Um, and so, you know, finally, you know, obviously, employers who operate in multiple states have uh, more obligations and have a lot more to consider. Um, but that's not to say that employers who operate in in just one jurisdiction can ignore their obligations there uh, there are plenty of laws out there that can can trip up even the um even the small employer or the employer who, who only operates in one state and so all this advice applies to them as well
0: great thank you and this is definitely one of those areas where Following sort of the tried and true or the methods that everybody's sort of used to for some of these issues may not be what you want to be doing, to your point, just because of how quickly things are changing in each state. And definitely much better and worth your time to call up somebody with your experience to to talk through the best next steps.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, We certainly advise a lot of employers on um, not just drug testing policies, but also responding to these types of inquiries either from government agencies or employees. And uh, we can also advise employers on, you know, what are some options to, um, to test employees' impairment as opposed to their potential previous drug use Um, to really gauge uh, an employee's fitness for duty if that's a concern to the employer.
0: Great, excellent. And John, we really appreciate all of the insight that you've given us today on these issues. I'm sure at some point maybe we'll we'll wanna do an update. And before we go, uh, let me just put up your information for folks to have. Uh, Of course, they can look you up on the McGuire Woods website uh, but if you could just remind everybody about your your background real quick and what you do and where to find you, that would be great.
1: Yeah, thanks, Kate, for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. Um, so uh, if I didn't mention at the beginning, I'm a, a labor and employment lawyer who represents uh, management or employers on a spectrum of employment laws, including the topics that we discussed today. I'm based out of the uh, Tyson's Corner, the Northern Virginia Office of McGuire Woods. Um, and uh, my contact information is available on the screen right now. And um, if anybody has any questions, I'd be happy to field them. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Royce. Great.
0: Thank you very much. We Great. appreciate Thanks. Oh, sorry, Royce. <laughs> oh, no,
2: I was just going to thank him. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thanks, John. We appreciate everybody's attention. Uh, You all can find us out there on the internet if you have follow-up questions. And until next time, you can noodle on that. Thanks very much.